Hello, and welcome to another episode of my podcast, The Global Agora. My name is Andrej Matišák, and I work as the deputy head of Foreign Desk in Slovak Davy Pravda. What does French President Emmanuel Macron mean when he says that Europeans should work on proposals to build a new security and stability order in Europe? These words are somewhat similar to those the West hears from Kremlin. But is there any connection? I talked to Georgina Wright, Senior Fellow and Director of Institute Montaigne's Europe Program. We talked about Paris-Moscow relations, what will France do in case of Russian invasion against Ukraine, but also about what kind of role can Russian issue play in the upcoming presidential election. Listen to our conversation, Russia crisis and European security, a view from France. Would you describe the French position in regards to the Russia crisis? What is the view from Paris? What are its main priorities? The sort of overwhelming feeling in Paris is this is serious. There is a real risk of Russia invading Ukraine. And so they've sort of adopted a multi-pronged approach. So they've gone for support for the US-Russia talks at the moment. They obviously want to continue talks in the Normandy format. So that's between Germany, France, Russia and Ukraine. So they had a meeting in Paris where there was a slight breakthrough and they're meeting again in Berlin next week. And also obviously being very fully committed to NATO. France promised to increase the number of troops that it sends to a mission in a NATO mission in, in Romania um, and a real sense that actually we need to be thinking about what we do along the borders with Ukraine if Russia does invade Ukraine. But I think at the moment there's a real willingness to continue pressing on with dialogue, trying that as much as possible, but also being forceful and very clear to Russia that if it does not respect or if it does, you know, if there is no deal, there will be serious consequences. Can we say that France is trying to open some different diplomatic tracks? France is sort of reviving the Normandy format and French President Emmanuel Macron wants direct contact with Russian President Vladimir Putin. What does he want to achieve by this? I think not an alternative track, but an additional track. So there is a sense in France that actually we need to be talking to Russia. We need to be in as many dialogues as possible. But the French foreign ministry has been absolutely clear that they support US-Russia talks. They support the ongoing work in NATO, in the OSCE as well. They also support that track but that they want to also try and speak to Russia in a Normandy format. And it's not just uh, Paris that, that's keen on this, it's also Berlin. Further afield, when you ask what is France's or what is Macron's Russia policy, I mean, there has been an actual shift in the last two years. What kind of shift? I think if you remember back when Putin was in France and Macron said that he would be open to having a, a dialogue with Moscow, and that really angered other member states and NATO allies. You know, there was this feeling that France had done this without consulting anyone. They ha actually hadn't spoken in, to the, in the European Council, even with NATO, and that what they should have done, what Paris should have done, is gone to see those member states, particularly on the eastern flank, second talk in the European Council and NATO, and then finally off it to Russia. 
And there has been a recognition that that was a mistake and that they should have, you know, they should be much more Europeanizing their Russia policy. And you're seeing that now. What, what you're seeing France saying is we should have a, a role to play in these talks. But as the EU, we're not capable. We're not the United States at the moment. We don't have the capabilities. We don't speak with one voice. And that's something for the future. But he is definitely much more European in his approach to Russia than he was maybe to or three years ago. Um, but the point being, again, I think France believes that the more you talk to Russia, the better at this point, the more pressure you put on, and that the Normandy format already existed. So why not use it? I think that, that it's interesting that the Normandy format talks resumed also only on the technical level, of course. But the fact that there was an agreement that there will be another round of talks somehow, and maybe I'm too optimistic here, But I think it somehow suggests that Russia is willing to keep channels of diplomatic communication open. I'm not Russian and I'm not a Russia expert, so it's very difficult for me to kind of give a sense of what Russia is trying to achieve through this. But certainly, I think when the statement came out, um, so on about the Normandy format, the meetings, and you're absolutely right, they meet at the level of diplomats, right? They're not meeting at the ministerial level. But there was a sense that there had been at least discussion there. How can we strengthen and respect the Minsk, agree- the Minsk agreement? So I think there was a real sense of, of trying to at least keep those channels of communications open. But, you know, Paris is under no illusion. This is still a very, very tricky situation. And the next days and weeks are going to be crucial. What Russia does, whether there can be a solution found between the US and Russia talks and the all, all these other ongoing talks. And what does France, but also Europe do if Russia does in, indeed invade Ukraine? Of course, this is still very much an open question. And maybe it's good that we have a couple of different diplomatic avenues vis-a-vis negotiation with Russia. But could it also lead to some fragmentation of the Western efforts to keep the unity? Do you have any concerns about this? Or so far, so good? It's a really good question, because I think, as we mentioned before, some of Macron's actions towards Russia in the past have raised heightened suspicion that whenever he says anything about Russia, it's because France is trying to go for a unilateral approach. And I think there is a sense that maybe he needs to be extra careful when he talks about Russia. So last week in the European Parliament, he was giving an address to the members of the European Parliament about uh, the programme of the French presidency of the EU, which is happening now between January and uh, until the end of June 2022. Now, This moment was supposed to be about what France is going to try and achieve, what its program is about. But at that point, he said, further down in the speech, he said, you know, we should use the next six months to start discussions on building proposals for a new security order. Now, what people got from that is, oh, my goodness, he is now opting. He wants to, you know, set up an entirely separate European security order, entirely separate discussions with Russia. When in fact, when you talk to people in Paris, they say, no, that's not what he meant. What he meant was the EU long term is going to have to be much more uh, united, much more powerful. This crisis shows that the EU is still unable really to kind of act, react quickly. And so actually, we should be having those discussions. But Those discussions would happen with the EU, then they would happen in NATO, and then only would there be a, an attempt to kind of engage Russia. So there is very much full support for the transatlantic approach. And if you talk to people in Paris, they say our approach is transatlantic, but we still believe, and, and, we, and Macron has been saying this for the past five years, 
that the EU should do more on defense in the future. I know that you also wrote an article for your institute in which you point out that not all the criticism aimed at Macron after his speech in the European Parliament is justified. What criticism is not justified? Because there is one angle we can look at what the French president is saying. He talks about proposals to build a new security and stability order in Europe. But these words are quite similar to what Putin is saying. Moscow also emphasizes that the current European security architecture should be changed. Does anything connect French and Russian approaches? Or we shouldn't even mention them in one sentence? People in Paris would say we shouldn't be talking about those things in the same sentence because they're different. Let's just look at what he said and what he didn't say and maybe the things that he should have said not to raise suspicion, right? So what he said was, we need to use the next six months to start discussions, to build proposals on a potential new security order. He didn't say, we're going to use the next six months to build a security order. He was like, but, but this is French language. It might have been lost to translation. He could have been more precise is something I'm going to come back to again. But he initially, you know, what he was saying is we need to talk about potential proposals. These would be discussed in the EU, and then with NATO, in and with NATO. So there, there was a clear sense there that we're not doing this in isolation. We're absolutely doing this as a transatlantic approach. But, and this is Macron's kind of thesis, is the EU cannot be taken seriously, right? If it isn't, if it doesn't have the capabilities, it's not clear on what its priorities are, and that it can't speak with one voice. You know, I mean, I'm not the president, but the sense is that's what he was he was trying to achieve. But of course, it's long term. Can the member states agree? You know, how different is it with NATO? But there was an emphasis there on the complementarity with NATO. So it's not about duplicating. It's not about pushing away our, our NATO allies who, who are not uh, EU member states. So that's kind of what he said. Now, what he didn't say was, well, he lacked precision. He didn't really explain what discussions could look like, what these proposals could be. Again, as I said, because of things that have happened in the past, there is there were questions about, did he consult other member states when he made that statement? Did they know that this was happening? And also the timing. Was it the right time to be saying that? Because on that day, the United States was having very serious discussions with their Russian counterparts. And so there was a question of imprecision leading to suspicion and also the timing, perhaps, as you said before, signaling fragmentation at a time when the West really needed to look united. But if you talk to people in Paris, and as I said, I'm, I'm an analyst, I simply sort of convey what, what I hear and what I see. If you talk to people in Paris, they're like, no, it's not, you know, we're not advocating a separate, we want the EU to do more, but we're also fully transatlantic and we support the ongoing uh, initiatives. And I think, I suspect the fully, you know, we fully support transatlantic is probably different from the view in Moscow. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> And I think the biggest problem of Macron's speech was really the timing. But talking about timing, we are just discussing the EU strategic compass, and NATO is working on a new strategic concept that should be approved in June at the Alliance Summit in Madrid. How do French ideas fit into those debates? Macron, the French government would say, we've been saying this for the past five years. This is not something new that Macron announced in the speech. It's actually fairly consistent with what he's been advocating for a long time, which is if we want a genuine transatlantic partnership, then there cannot be a leader and a follower. The United States must treat Europe as a genuine partner. But of course, they realize that there can only be a genuine partnership if you know, Europe invests in capabilities, start talking about common priorities. 
And I think there is really a sense in Paris that this is a European conversation, right? And that different member states have different threats, have different, you know, even the, the lots of member states still see and will continue to see NATO as the main security guarantor in Europe, you know, want to do um, keep the United States close and want to make sure that if ever they do do any anything in the EU, it supports that rather than undermines NATO. Um, and so that's going to be, I mean, it's the perennial problem with when we talk about EU defence is that how do you do all of that? But I, but as I said, I think the French are very keen to say our approach is transatlantic, but we also think that there needs to be a more genuine partnership of equals, which is perhaps not the case today. Can we somehow compare France's position and Germany's position towards the Russia crisis? New government in Berlin faces criticism that the German policy towards Russia is weak and that it doesn't show enough support for Ukraine. Berlin was just ridiculed by its critics that while the others are sending weapons to Ukraine, Germany is sending helmets. Some countries, for example Baltic states, are calling for a tougher approach while Berlin is seemingly softer on Russia. Is France somewhere in the middle? I know it is a bit simplistic, but is it possible to point it out? France would say that they're in a different position, like the UK is in a different position, like the United States is in a different position. They'd probably say there is no scale here. It's just everyone contributing. And the French foreign ministry say we're actively involved in NATO. We thank the United States for keeping us abreast of of the US-Russia talks. We're very uh, active in the OECE. So, But I think France isn't critical of Germany because it wants to keep Germany close. You know, the Franco-German relationship is very important. There's the Normandy format. And so there isn't sort of open criticism of Germany. I think France's approach has been different. Um, it's on the same day of that fateful European Parliament speech, Macron promised to send more troops to a NATO mission in Romania. There's also talks about armaments and what you can do there. I assume that France is talking with the UK as well about, given that they're, you know, the two biggest sort of European military, uh, well, the two biggest military powers in Europe. So I think there's, there's a lot of questions there. But it's important to remember that France is close to Germany and that that's why they want to keep the Normandy format alive as well, you know, not only because it's another way to put pressure, but also because it, it is a way for them to kind of be involved in that. But also they rec- Paris recognises that the situation is different in Berlin. And that if there are talks about what Germany should or should not be doing, those should happen within NATO and within the EU, not really at a, at a bilateral stage level. You mentioned UK, but what about Paris-London relations? Aren't they too poisoned by Brexit? The UK and France have always enjoyed a strong foreign and defence relationship. And that relationship largely operated outside of the EU structures. They don't always see eye to eye in NATO. And, you know, one, of course, big, big difference um, when the UK was still a member state and now today is that France wants the EU to do much more on defence, whereas uh, the UK thinks that we should not be trying to reinvent the wheel, but actually invest more in NATO. And those continue to be tensions. But overall, you know, the UK was one of the first European countries to react to the Russia-Ukraine crisis, sending tanks and all the rest of it. Um, And there is a sense that, that the UK continues to be an important strategic partner in responding to these issues. I think 
there is I, I suspect there is no real tension right now. I think there might be some tension down the road if these famous kind of discussions to build proposals for a new security order. There is a question there about where does the UK fit in that architecture? But I think the mentality is we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I know it's not easy to assess those things. And I know that now I'm going to ask you to play the role of an instant psychologist more than a foreign policy analyst. But in your opinion, how does Putin perceive Macron? And how does Macron perceive Putin? Honestly, I love, you know, coming out of my foreign policy body and in, in, in challenge, but I, I don't know. There are lots of questions about does Macron, you know, the French government position, uh, the fact that its Russia policy is shifting and it's become European. Is that driven by Macron? Is it just driven by the government? Um, it's, it's actually very difficult to say. And I think that partly also heightens the suspicion, right, which is what does Macron really want? And I think if you look at traditionally, France has had quite a strong sort of sentimental attachment to Russia, the culture before, the history, the all of that kind of stuff. They believe very much in, in dialogue with Russia. And if France is about to have a presidential campaign, it's quite remarkable to see what some of the candidates are saying. We should be also having our bilateral talks. In fact, Macron is probably more transatlantic than all the other ones. So I, I, I would love to answer that question, but I simply do not know. And, and how Putin sees Macron, I don't know. But Putin wanted talks with the, you know, the Americans. He wasn't looking to have talks with, with anyone else. So, Georgina, you are reading my mind a bit because I also wanted to ask you about the upcoming presidential elections. So what kind of effect might the Russian crisis have on the campaign? The first round will take place basically in two months, on April 10th. As you said, from the candidates that may have a good shot to win the elections, Macron is probably the most pro-Atlanticist. I have to say that I am not that familiar with foreign policy positions of conservative Valérie Pécresse, but candidates like Marine Le Pen and Eric Zemmour are perceived as quite pro-Russian. I think there are two questions here. First is how prominent do foreign policy issues and Russia in particular, what place do they play in the campaign? To be honest, foreign policy isn't usually a big topic in many elections, actually, but even in the French presidential election. I mean, uh, Macron changed it slightly last time where he put the EU at you know, the centre of his electoral campaign and then after his mandate and for, for, for being president, you know, he's, it's a, the EU as a domestic and as a foreign policy issue. You're right that context might change the way that, you know, the role or the place that foreign policy plays in the campaign. But it, at this stage, it looks like it will be more like the, the campaign will be centred more around issues of covid How did Macron manage that? What are the constraints in the future? Economic reforms, that kind of stuff. And also the question of identity, which is a really big one in French politics. So we'll have to see. I think it's a bit too early. But on, you know, what candidates think of, of Russia, I mean, Macron had a press statement or press conference, sorry, not press statement, press conference with Putin. He was quite hard on Putin. He said, I am under no illusion of the Russian influence during the presidential campaign. And he said this in front of Putin in a press conference. But I think there are some candidates in the French election that are more kind of opened or want stronger ties with Russia. There's a certain level of respect sometimes for Putin and the way that he is, you know, a, a forceful a president and all the rest of it. But I'd say most candidates, you know, have a, 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 um, their view is we should engage Russia, but we shouldn't hesitate to be tough on Russia when Russia doesn't respect the rules. So if Russia attacks Ukraine, and I hope it won't happen, 
But if it will, what kind of reaction we can expect from France? It was a quite a forceful statement from the Council on Russia. And I think the sense is we won't hesitate to slap very, you know, there's sanctions that are very damaging. And that, that's going to be absolutely number one. The other thing that is interesting is what do they do in terms of coordinating potentially an asylum policy? So France holding the presidency of the Council, which is the grouping of the 27 member states of the EU. Will France be in a position to coordinate that asylum? I could, I could imagine Macron touring different capitals, potentially with the commission president or whatever, but saying, okay, let's provide safe passage for Ukrainians fleeing war. There's a question of engaging the UK and other NATO allies in some of those reactions as well. But in terms of military intervention or building forces along the border, I mean, there's going to be a huge discussion in the EU, but especially in NATO. And I suspect France will be very active in those discussions. They're already active in Baltic states, uh, as I said, the promise to increase troops in Romania. And I suspect France will support NATO initiatives. But again, I think it's very difficult for me to say what France would do separately, because at the moment, its approach has been very much European on this question. I guess it will depend on, on what they collectively decide to do. This was another episode of my podcast, The Global Agora. Subscribe, listen on Spotify. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all the other platforms. Thank you for listening and stay tuned.